Uh, don't have an intro. Oh, pow pow. So just still his oh, intro. We got some pow pow. Just still Trey Blanco's intro. Daniel Davis. Trey Blanco is going to be so mad when he listens yeah, to this episode. He's gonna be, <laughs> in the meantime, this is, of course, we're back. Ooh. Oh, we're back. I cook crack. Oh, yes, okay. He continues to say that anytime I say we're back, and he continues to throw me off. This is, of course, another fine episode of Speaking for Sport. You're Speaking for Sport. Yeah, whisper it because I'm your wife's favorite podcaster. Uh, and as such, I'm, of course, they your, come your find man. You when you say it, uh, maybe. <laughs> Real talk. Maybe. And then I'll be like, hey, Daniel, you got to come take care of this one. Because <laughs> 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 I can't fight none of these people. But um, I'm, of course, your man's. Most venerated, excellent host, D.R. Lewis. Nah. All right, baby. All right. He's, we're timing it up. We're timing it up. Even though this the is like. Is still strong. This is like. We've been <laughs> off for a while, but Terrell still hit that real strong. Still hit that real strong. <laughs> this is, of course, the show where we take one topic. Yes. One topic alone. I throw it up. You mix it up. Mix it all nice up. Throw it into a little bowl. Mix it up again. Mm. Give it back to you. The people. The people. You go out. Yep. You're all informed. You're I reckless. Yes, sir. Who who knows what you'll do? I don't. I, yes, I don't know. <laughs> Dale doesn't know. Who knows? Today, we are minus one, Mister Austin Brazina. He is not with down us today. a man. We're down. We're one man down. But it's all right. We'll pick up the slack because my man himself, Thespian Poppy, Terrell Huff, is in the building. What up? What's cracking? Hey, man. <laughs> you know what I already say. Indeed, sir. Support the arts. Because we are the arts. We are the arts, indeed. Every time, I just want y'all to know, every time he says that, Daniel points at himself. He yep. believes so strongly in being the arts. That's how much he... Speaking of Daniel, yeah. Daniel Davidson's in the building. What up, man? Hey, it was cracking lacking, baby. You know what it is. What, what is it? It's a good day to pod. <laughs> damn good day. A damn good day to pod. Uh, today, uh, we're going to talk to you about... kid, before I speak... Or Daniel speaks, or Austin speaks, even though he's not here. <laughs> One man must speak because he will speak first, whether I like it or not. So we turn it into a segment. And that segment is called Terrell Huff's First Take. Who's it sponsored by? Daniel. Sponsored by Chris Usman and the Knockout Automotive. Stop on by for a smooth ride, smoothie, and a smile. Quick detour, Daniel, did you hear when I tried to do that myself when you were absent that week? No, I missed that. How'd it go? Oh, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) 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 The second time I got it okay, the first time I was like, they were not they <laughs> called me up and they like if daniel davidson doesn't handle this from now on we're pulling our sponsorship mm. okay got it mm. take okay. it away mr poppy hey 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 man look um so getting into um carl nassib uh defensive end for the raiders or edge rusher they got different names for, for, for that position now but bottom line is getting into his announcement uh via social media uh that he is openly gay um, or now openly gay. Um, and obviously he's, uh, he's, there's some firsts involved with that, um, in, in regards to him being an on an active, you know, actively on the roster. Um, I believe he's actually like, essentially he's like a starter. I mean, so he's not, you know, he's a marquee player, you know, for them, um, uh, coming out as gay. Um, it is a big deal. Hopefully we get to the day where it is not a big deal, but it is a big deal. Um, and, 
you know, we're going to get into this later on in, in the uh, episode, but um, I, I'm, I'm going to be pretty brief here because there's an aspect of this that I'm, I'm, I'm heartened by and I think is amazing. And that is that even though you've had some random outside people that have said things, um, you know, what I'm choosing to focus on is the fact that his team seems to be 100% behind him. There's been nothing but comments from his teammates, um, from people involved with the team. Uh, the NFL has come out and, and, and made some, um, some statements, which in my opinion, um, you know, as much as we tend to knock the NFL on this particular uh, podcast, you know, I think that was the least they could do. And they, and they came out and they had a strong, uh, you know, they had a strong statement about it. Um, I, I think it's great. Um, I hope that he is not the um, uh, the, the the last um, to be in this situation. And I know we had, um, uh, and I apologize because I can't remember his name, Michael. Um, Michael Sam. Michael Sam came out and unfortunately he never actually uh, made a roster for the Rams, but um, you know, he was kind of a bit of a pioneer in, in himself, but with this being, you know, and, and there's, you know, I'm sure we'll discuss about the fact that he's kind of an established player, uh, Carl Nassib that is. Um, but the big thing for me right now is the fact that again, he's got the support of his team um, because that's going to go a long way towards dispelling a lot of the nonsense that you hear about it being a distraction in the locker room and so forth and so on. Um, and the other thing is, and I hope we get into this is the fact that um, he may be one of the first active players to um, announce, uh, you know, on an active roster to announce that he is openly gay. But um, <laughs> the, 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 the thing is, is that he's not the only, uh, only gay player in the NFL. And, you know, the question is whether or not this is going to prompt other players uh, to follow in his footsteps uh, that are currently, um, you know, say in the closet or not, you know, openly gay right now. So hopefully he'll be, you know, somebody that'll, you know, prompt some other players to, you know, walk in their truth and, 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 and come out. But uh, we'll see. So um, that's pretty much all I got uh, on it on my initial take. And uh, let's get into it, fellas. That was Terrell Huff's first take. Who's it sponsored by? Uh, that'd be sponsored by Chris Usman and the Knockout Automotive. Stop on by for a smooth ride, smoothie, and a smile. Quick detour. How many people do you think listen to the podcast and like try to look up these sponsors that you know may or may not actually exist? <laughs> at least probably like I'm thinking at least like roughly half of the people that listen to the podcast. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would like I would like a smoothie and a smile. Right? You know what my thought is? My my hope is that like Kamaru Uzman like somehow catches wind because you know he lives in he's from Texas. I mean he lives in Texas. He went to high school here. So like. My my hope is that at some point he catches wind and then like kind of like, you know, realizes that we're kind of made up this fictional brother of his <laughs> and that he has a a, 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 a smoothie, <laughs> a smoothie empire, a smoothie, uh, empire <laughs> and somehow that they were able to parlay that into some sort of like sponsor, like real sponsorship or something like that. Or just to get uh, Kamaru Usman to come on the show. Champ, champ. Come on, come on, my guy. Come on. Holler at us, dude. We love to have you. That's what I'm gonna say about that. And so back to the uh matter at hand. We're gonna uh, talk about a myriad of uh LGBTQ issues. It's, it's Pride Month. We've only had one show in the month yeah. of June. Um and unfortunately. So, unfortunately. So this is this was perfect timing. We'll we'll get this one up just right before Pride Month ends here. Uh but there's a few issues that have 
you know, a few issues and stories that have come up over the last week. Uh, taking center stage, of course, uh, was Carl uh, Nassib of the Oakland Raiders uh, announcing publicly earlier in the week that he is he is gay and that he is donating money to the Trevor Project, which uh, works to prevent suicide uh, within uh, the LGBTQ plus community because because of all the things that they have to deal with and all the identity issues that they have to go through be, uh, trying to keep some of this under wraps or even when they don't have to keep it under wraps they get bullied and things of that nature uh, and so he, he made a sizable donation to, to the Trevor Project um, in terms of his announcement I mean those are the highlights those are he's been in the league five seasons third round pick uh, with the Raiders as Terrell mentioned a starter so you know a prominently uh, figure on a team comes out as gay, which is the first time that has happened in the NFL's history and really in American sports history. We've had plenty mm-hmm. of people come out, but they usually come out after they retire or they come out like Michael Sam did. And then, of course, are heavily maligned and don't make a roster because, right. well, you know, we, we know the, the real reason Michael Sam didn't make a roster or really play a snap in the NFL, um, which is unfortunate. But yeah. Uh, amid all that, there's some other interesting things occurred. Uh, we had uh, the first trans athlete uh, qualify for the Olympics. Um, um, and then we had a story on uh, Lasia Claridon, um, who's a prominent trans athlete in the WNBA um, and all the work behind the scenes that she's done to make the WNBA the progressive, the most progressive league in the United States of America. Um, and, and so all of those three stories kind of circle around the same kind of drain as we kind of discuss what's going on with Carl Nassib, what we expect that will happen, how this helps, how this, you know, kid, you know, some of the things that don't line up with necessarily what we want to see out of the NFL when he announced. Um, I think in particular that relates to Michael Sam. I know Daniel has a little bit of a thoughts on that. Um, D, before we get into all that, what, are you, what was your initial reaction to, to Carl Nassib uh, announcing that he was he was gay on social media? Um, I thought it was a very big step and a defining moment in, in history for sports just in general and, and for America itself. I thought it kind of highlighted how far we've come as a nation in terms of being able to have someone who is now comfortable being in that spotlight, being in a sport like football to feel that they can you know, come out first to his team and teammates and then to the rest of the league and the rest of the world as well, that at least felt some type of safety or comfortableness to not think that, you know, his entire team's going to turn on him, he's going to get cut the next day or whatever, which would have happened back in the past, you know, there's no need to, you know, talk around it at all. So in that sense, I think the amount of progression that's had as a, as a people is great to see. Now, uh, I think like we had mentioned before, though, there are some different things that happen, you know, during this announcement that still kind of show that we're not all the way there. Um, case in point, you know, he's been in the league for about five seasons, um, so that means I'm pretty sure he's been gay his entire life, but he didn't feel comfortable up until now. Yeah. So it may have been where, you know, starting off maybe early on in his career, he didn't really feel confident that, you know, him either making a team, staying on a team or being, you know, well liked by his teammates would have happened if he had openly come out as gay from the get go. Um, so, you know, it, it is something to be celebrated, but also I don't think we should kind of have a cloud to say that, okay, now the NFL is just so progressive and, you know, it's, it's a safe haven for people who are, who are part of the LGBTQ community um, because I don't think it's fully the case as of right now. I think it's trending the right direction, but there's still a lot of work to be done because again, 
he didn't feel comfortable up until now to say that. Um, and that could have been his personal preference, or like I think it also could be other factors in terms of he wanted to make sure that he was well established, that his teammates knew him as him as a person before he even talked about himself, you know, in terms of what's prep in terms of sexuality and things of that nature. So I think going with that, you know, it's still that great unknown in terms of how people are going to accept me until, you know, they finally get to know me first and then I can give them the full me. So I think that shouldn't be slept on that, you know, we still have a ways to go, but um, for, for what it happened right now, though, I think it's still good to see. And it's a milestone that, that need to happen. Um, Cause like we said, unfortunately with Michael Sam, we thought that it happened, but it didn't play out the way that we all had assumed it would in terms of him, right. you know, coming to the league and actually being a part of it for, for quite a bit. So I think this was a good starting point, but there's still a ways to go. Um, I think overall as the league and just for sports in America in general. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a pretty big milestone in terms of someone has to be the first um, and we had not had that. I mean, just off of that alone, uh, whatever your thoughts on, you know, to me, when something like this happens, it's always one of those things like, well, why what took so long? It's like yeah. we, we know what took so long, but still, it's, it, it always feels that way. But at the same time, whether you feel like we should be further, I mean, we should be further along or not. Like there still always has to be a first and now Carl Nassib in terms of being an active player who's currently participating in football. He is the first person who's going to go into a locker room um, in the regular season and, and be and be openly gay. And that's uh, that's important. That's important for we always talk about inclusion on this show. That's important for someone for any gay ch- child to look up on screen and say, hey, there's a dude who plays football yeah. who, who is gay. That means I can also do that if I choose to. Uh, I could do, you know, it, it broadens the prospects of I can do whatever I want, which, you know, besides his donation to the Tre- Trevor Project, that also helps with, you know, suicide prevention in terms of yeah. uh, there's a place in this world for me to go and be and I can exist. And hopefully uh, things are going to be all right. And that's hopefully how this will play out, because you right. still you never know what's going to happen in the NFL locker room. They're just not for a regular heterosexual man. They're not great all the time. So for uh I shouldn't have said regular. I should say for a heterosexual man, they are not great all the time. Uh, so for uh, for someone who's quote unquote different or other, um, it, it could be even more overwhelming. We'll see. Ho- hopefully he felt confident for a reason that this was the time for this and that he could do this. Um, I'm sure there's a little bit of bravery in there as well. But, you know, there's also, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's timing to this. Um, like Daniel said, uh, he probably s- surmised that this was the right time to make this move. Um, and we're going to see how it plays out, though, too, because, like, again, this happened in the offseason. So, in the offseason, right. there's that lull and certain things can happen. But once the season actually starts, then we can see for sure, you know, how far along we really are. Because at that point, it's going to be, you know, coverage 24-7. I mean, football basically is 24-7 now, but when the season starts, right. it actually is so intense. Mm-hmm. And you can bet, you know, I think after every game, win, win, lose, you know, anything like that, that they're going on to be, you know, get an excerpt from him, get a quote from him. He's going to be in, in the spotlight quite a bit. Um, he even said, you know, when he came out that, you know, he did, he, he wanted them to, you know, um, respect his privacy. You know, yeah. he's not really a very out there person, but. Yeah. He said he didn't do it for, he didn't do it for publicity or anything like that because he is, like you said, he said he's a very private person, mm-hmm. but he said it wasn't for publicity. It was because, you know, like you said, it, it, it was, it was fitting that he, um, incorporated, you know, his donation, uh, you know, revealing his donation to the Trevor Project um, at the same time, um, because I feel like that would be super important um, because he brought, you know, he shed light on 
you know, uh, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people obviously know about the Trevor Project, but he shed light on something that maybe a lot of people didn't know about. Um, and as well as, you know, putting a face um, to that donation, because realistically, based on what you were saying, him being a private guy, he could have made that donation. He maybe even could have you know, come out to his teammates and left it at that, um, you know, and and. And it might have even been easier had he done that, Mm -hmm. because now what you look at is the fact that his teammates are going to get questions about it, um, you know, because he came out publicly. But I I don't think he could have done it any done it in a a better way than what he did, because, you know, maybe in a weird way, it, you know, putting it out there in a way that is going to cause people to look for reaction from his teammates um and maybe and i'm sure he didn't plan it that way but putting it out there in a way that is going to cause people to go ask questions of his teammates are gonna is gonna put his teammates in a position where they're going to have to think about it and they're gonna have to come up with an answer i know uh waller um um what's his name darren Um, waller darren waller's already come out and like you could see the sincerity in his face in the interview that he did. I think it was with TMZ. You could see the sincerity in his face, you know, in the video when he said he was happy for him. And it was obvious, like it, there wasn't like some sort of, con- Oh, well, you know, we're teammates, you know? No, I mean, you could tell it was obvious. I think uh, David Carr has already come out. Did I say David Carr? I'm sorry. Derek, Derek Carr has already come out. Common and, mistake. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, Derek Carr has come out and, and that's big because he's, you know, um, he's, you know, probably the most important person on the team being a quarterback, you know, Waller's probably their best offensive player. So, I mean, I look at that and I think that bodes well for this situation because when your teammates are willing to come out and speak highly of you still, and, you know, speak from the heart and, and, and talk about how much they support you, that is big because, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think it's, it's, we can talk about the fact that he's five years into his career and he's somewhat established. Um, and heck, the guy's probably going to come out and get 12, 14 sacks this year. And it may very well end up being an afterthought, but you know, in a way you don't want it to be an afterthought. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you want other players that are going through what he went through. Um, Cause I think this is something like, this has been like, I think he's known since he was about, yeah, they said going back like some, he, he says in his statement that he hadn't anticipated it like for the last 15 years, this particular moment. So I'm assuming that was around the time, you know, probably when he was, you know, early teens that he figured out, you know, that, you know, he realized that he was gay. And so, I mean, it's one of those situations where you hope it, it spurs some other players to, to, you know, make that decision and do the same thing. Um, you know, I, I, for one, am looking forward to, you know, those moments on the field when other players uh, from other teams are out there and they, you know, interact with him and then they talk to him. And, 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 you know, I think, I don't know, I, I, maybe I'm too, I don't know if I'm too optimistic, but I feel like this is going to be one of those things where we're going to see, we may very well see the tide turn on this issue in the NFL. We may see it play out on the field from one week to the next. Um, I, you know, I, and I mean that from a standpoint of how, you know, maybe before and after games, how his, how other players uh, interact with him. I think we're going to be able to see how he's, he's received um, from that standpoint. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any big giant poignant moments on the field or anything like that, but I think it's going to be interesting to just see how other players are interacting with him. And it'll be interesting. Yeah. 
I think it's interesting because uh, there's nothing to there's nothing to analyze about a human right. being gay. So I sure. think the interesting thing to talk about here is the reaction to him being himself, yeah. uh, which I find interesting because I don't feel like the NFL has necessarily cultivated an atmosphere mm. where he sure. should per, per se be comfortable coming out per se. You know what I mean by that? Um, that he, the NFL is like the NFL isn't very forward facing on, you know, being a part of Pride Month or being a part sure. of LGBTQ uh, uh, plus uh, issues, but at the same time, America, the United States of America, has become has softened. Though it's not though it's not at all where it needs to be, it is softened on this, which creates an environment for him to take this opportunity. But in terms of being a league, I'm I'm interested to see how a John Gruden, who comes from a different era, reacts. Sure. How a lot of black players, let's be mm-hmm. let's be frank, yes. a lot of black players come from Christian homes who are heavily from against, uh, uh, yeah, or from the South who are very heavily. Uh, in, in the wrong they're on the wrong side of history on, on this issue so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out around him um in, in, and then you know trickles down to all the other people in the nfl who are also who are also who are also gay who might want to or might not want to uh, follow suit um wh- wh- where are you at on that i know we talked about this a little bit off air d where are you how are you feeling on that front um is the nfl ready to meet this moment that's, um, you know, they have to wait and see. Um, that's why I say it is kind of important to kind of see what happens once the season actually starts. Um, because what you're saying is correct. I, I think for sure that he'll be embraced around the league while we need to play other teams, um, even by the league itself. Um, but the important thing when it comes to the sports franchises is kind of what is the true thought and sentiments when the camera is off, you know, right. when, you're, when you're not making those statements or whatever, or at the commercial or whatever going on. Um, because a lot of times with sports, man, it's, it's all about, you know, if, if we're winning, then it's an amazing story. It, yep. You know, it, it galvanized us. It propelled us forward. We brought us together and now we're embracing it. So we're good to go. Uh, but if you have a bad season, you know, mm-hmm. worse than what you thought and you start looking for stuff that might have caused it, like certain distractions. Um, because, again, like he said, he, he didn't want, you know, none of the publicity. He's kind of a, a, a quiet person, private but hey, he, he right now he has the number one selling jersey. Um, you can already tell he's gonna be on, you know, Sports Center quite a bit with with yep. a lot of his statements and stuff. Maybe some commercials coming up, um, working with other organizations and everything. So um, that's the only that's the kind of the dark side to it is that he didn't ask for it. But you know, right. with this historic moment, he kind of is gonna have to be a part of it. Um, so that's why I'm looking kind of see, you know, what's going to happen with the organization. Are they going to maybe shield him and kind of protect him from all that? Is Lee going to do that? Um, are the players, his, his team is going to do that um, when he gets into a game? Because, you know, when it comes to a lot of sports, there's a lot of trash talking. Yeah. When that when that pops up, you know, is it going to be a visual in terms of what they're trying to say to him, you know, because of, of, of him coming out? Um, how's he going to handle that? How's the team going to handle that? How's the league going to handle that? A lot of stuff could happen when the when the when the season gets going, especially if it's a bad a bad year for them. Yeah, that we have to kind of see, you know, if things aren't going, you know, perfectly fine, hunky dory, whatever. Will the league and the team still back them up? And then ultimately, I think even further down the line is say, you know, the season goes terrible, a lot of distractions or whatever. Is that going to actually hurt? team hurt uh, other prospects who are themselves gay from coming out because teams are like oh we found out that he's gay we're not going to say it but we want to kind of avoid that type of attention sure. Sure. Uh, that media storm or whatever especially if it is like a player who maybe is not like a superstar or whatever it's like i'm just trying to make the team is like do we want to allow him to be on the practice squad or the team knowing what might come with it if he comes out or the fact that he's come out 
um, you know, to we find an excuse, which may have, may have been what happened with Michael Sam. I think a lot of people kind of assume that's what happened. Um, but yeah, I think for this, you have to kind of see how it plays out. Hopefully, you know, it's not my worst fears come, come to fruition to where, you know, it's a bad season and then kind of stuff just goes left. Cause I can see that happen. it's happened before with other stuff, you know, not, not in terms of someone coming out, but other things that have happened with certain players. So, um, again, we have to see how, how they're set up because the NFL hasn't done too well with these, but you know, people change, organizations change. You have different people in there. So hopefully they're, they're ready to, to, you know, take control of it and take the lead. Yeah. I think, uh, it's interesting cause the NFL does it like, I think it's a cliche to call these kind of stuff distractions, um, but the NFL, that's what the NFL calls them. And they believe that. And they, they're not good on, you know, the day to day. Like if Richard Sherman says something quote unquote controversial, mm-hmm. they think that's a distraction and they get really right. in a tizzy because it throws off their root rhythm and routine. And to some extent there is a bit of truth to that because athletes thrive on rhythm and routine, but on a certain extent it's like, that's why I always was refreshed covering the Seahawks because they, they kind of embrace this stuff as, as head on as an NFL team, would and even they weren't perfect on it but it's like they try to deal with it as they came and as you know these are real human moments and real human people so it'll it'll be interesting to see how the nfl kind of navigates this because you know there's let's just be frank there's no reason michael sam shouldn't have made an nfl roster agree like he was projected to be a second round pick before he came out and then he dropped and so yeah like if he's just a pure fifth round pick then maybe mm-hmm. maybe, maybe you could say all right even fifth round picks are usually going to make a yeah, roster even, yeah uh, even uh, now uh, they make like, rosters they, yeah. not, they might not make the original roster but right they'll make a roster and right. they'll usually make their team's roster because a fifth round pick is still a pretty big pick right he's a fifth round pick yeah. right i'm not getting that wrong i thought he was like seventh round he went, pre- went pretty late i um, could swear he was six, late fifth like six or seventh yeah. i thought but anyway, and so like the normal, the NFL's normal idea of trying to get through us through any situation is, oh, it's a distraction. Let's get rid of it. Like that, that's what they feel about Colin Kaepernick. And I, yep. you know, and so like this could end up being right now. He's in he's in a, a perfect spot. The NFL yep. wants to be more progressive, but their nature <laughs> is not to be. Right. That. That's, yeah. in their, that's in that core. That's who they want to be. So even when they try to make things better we've seen yeah. some situations where they make things worse just by yeah. their very nature and their very existence and but very- i also but, but i feel like and it's again and, it, and it's it, it sucks to have to frame it this way but him being an established player him not being a guy that's fighting for a roster spot um him being um you know on a team that seems to me from what their statements that they've made or have been incredibly um, supportive, even, even on a minor level being in Las Vegas, um, where that is a very, that is a city where you just, people aren't stricken or people aren't shocked by seeing, you know, things that maybe the average person, you know, this isn't Alabama, you know, and you hate, and you hate to, you hate to frame it that way, but this isn't Alabama or Mississippi or, you know, some place in the Midwest. Yeah. It's not some place in the Midwest where everybody, where, where people like to tout their old fashioned principles. And this is Las Vegas. And it's like, it's one of those things where when you think about this, and again, you hate to frame it this way, but when you think about places where he's got the best chance to not be pushed under the rug 
or phased out in a way where nobody, you know, to try to do it in a way by the NFL where nobody notices that, oh, well, whatever happened to Carl Nassar? The, the, the thing is, is he's in one of the few places where you could probably do that. It sucks that you can't, that it shouldn't matter where he is. But if you think about Las Vegas, if you think about, um, or even when the team was in Oakland, or you think about, you know, maybe LA, or you thinking about New York, maybe even Miami, when you think about those kind of areas, you can kind of see where, okay, you know what? I could probably see with the exception of a player here and a player there, for the most part, you're going to have some support in the community because that community is a little bit more progressive and forward leaning when it comes to these social issues. Um, so, you know, as, as much as it stinks, I feel like, you know, it shouldn't matter where he is. I feel like he's probably in one of the few places where he at least is going to have his foothold being an established player and he's going to be able to play. And, and if he's good, he's good. If he's not, he's not. And it's going to go from there. Um, I think what's going to be interesting is interviews because my thing, the, the best thing that any, whether it's local, whether it's national media, the best thing they can do is to address him the same way they addressed him in previous seasons. Mm-hmm. This does not – if he brings up the Trevor Project, that's one thing because that's a great thing to, to bring up when you're – especially if you're heavily involved with them as a member of the LGBTQ community, as a contributor, as somebody that is trying to put a message out there. That's one thing. But, you know, if, if there's a, a contentious football game and it's a close game and it comes down to a field goal or a last second score or something like that, and they are in the locker room and they say to him, you know, and they're asking him questions. If they're asking him about the game, hey, you had a couple of sacks, dot, 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 this, 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 great, because that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely no reason to talk about anything other than that. If they if they go along those lines and go from there. Now, obviously, there are going to be some 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 pieces that are going to be done where he's specifically going to talk about those things. Yeah. But I would like to think that the media, whether local or national, is not going to be bringing this up on on your average post game interview. So with that being the case, um, if they're doing it that way, I think this is a really good opportunity for him to play his game, be successful, which he obviously has been. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been in the NFL for five years and just keep doing his thing. And, you know, he's and like I said, with the support of this team, that seems like it's just exponential. Like, I mean, they just seem like they're like, hey, you're our guy. You're our family. You're our teammate. We're going to roll with you. I feel like this is probably I I almost because Derek mentioned how the NFL has kind of been not been forward leaning on this stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is almost like NFL proof when it comes to the situation of him being somehow maligned because of his 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 uh, sexual uh, preference. I feel like this is one of those situations where the NFL may not want to deal with it. But I feel like if it's if everybody, if all parties involved play their cards right, the NFL should be smart enough to sit back and say, this isn't something that we feel like we need to get involved with. This isn't something. Yes, they do need to do things as far as like that community. And they need to they need to make they need to make the NFL look like a safe space for anybody of any ilk or anything like that. But at the same time, they have had a tendency to come into these little situations, whether it be. Uh, the LGBT community, whether it be the Kaepernick situation, they have had a tendency to get involved in the wrong ways. And 
even if it's just a lack of support or a lack of coming to a player's side and saying, hey, as a league, we don't condone this. They haven't done that. So hopefully this is going to be a situation where they're not going to have to be involved other than just making, you know, making him, you know, continue to feel comfortable and allowing him to do what he does. So, I mean, I don't have a ton of faith in that, but that's my I almost think the opposite in terms of I think they have to I don't know if I believe the NFL will do enough. I think they almost mm-hmm. have to kind of go a little overboard in this Overdo situation it, yeah. where they make it create an environment where it's like, all right, we're backing because the NFL doesn't do this where they like, right. oh, we're, we're backing this up 100 percent from sure. our executive from from the executives in the NFL. Like Right now, it's all well and good that his teammates are out here and in support and they need to be. Right. But there also needs to be some actual organizational, some structural support sure. that I'm not sure is going to happen. I think the NFL is going to kind of, I hope to be wrong, but I think the NFL is kind of going to sit back and kind of, I think they'll, they will do a lot less than what they did in the Colin Kaepernick situation because, in, A, there's, this isn't the situation where it's like going to spread like wildfire. That Colin sure. Kaepernick got out of hand for them because they created a situation that they were uncomfortable with that spread mm-hmm. to other players. This mm-hmm. can't really do that in that way. Right. Even if other players come out, they're not going to view that as, oh, we have to get ahead of this. They're just going to be right. like, all right, more players came out. Um, so by nature of what this situation is, it's going to be a lot different. But a similarity that is going to happen is that ABC, ABC News is here now. Uh, NBC News is here is here now. Anytime he does something, he's now the first openly gay athlete to do such and such, to have a sack, to have a tackle. That 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 those those things add up, especially when people start looking for their feel good stories to write. And all of a sudden, you know, Robin Roberts is is in Las Vegas on a random Sunday night game instead of you know instead of you know her normal job, which is not to cover sports anymore. So right. um, this is because this has more of a national profile that is going to make more national media. Now is the national media vis-a-vis ESPN going to ask him about it all the time? No, but the mm-hmm. people who specifically come here to do those p- kind of pieces, mm-hmm. they're going to make it a thing. And they, and I believe that they should. I'm not criticizing them for coming to do their jobs, but that's what, exactly what the NFL doesn't want um, in most situations. And mo- that's exactly what quote unquote John Gruden. And I don't I won't say the NFL doesn't want that because the, the NFL loves coverage. But John <laughs> Gruden per se doesn't want the national media to come disrupt his locker room on a weekly basis. But I think As that's, would any. I don't think any coach would want that. So I, that's understandable. And um, so I do, yeah. and so I think the thing about it is that. Um, I think Daniel's point is honestly kind of the the point on this, which is if he if he starts giving quote unquote reasons for them to clip the wings of this, I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure the NFL will hesitate to do that because that's what they did with Colin Kaepernick. We've seen them in this situation before. He gave them a reason, quote unquote, to think mm-hmm. he was declining, and they seized upon that and they've used mm-hmm. that to keep him out of the league. I th- could see that happening here. I hope it doesn't. And I pray the NFL has learned some of their lessons because this yeah. is an important thing to not do that with. But I, I, I have no, they give no benefit of the doubt for me because I, they've always reacted to this this kind of situation in a certain way, and I don't see, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that I should believe that they won't act that way again. If given, if if it proves to be quote unquote a distraction, if he proves to be not worth the time, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see. So I don't know if this is as easy or as a slam dunk as we think it is in terms of how they should go about supporting this. Mm-hmm. But I think there actually should be like a, they have to find that happy medium. You know, they can't do 
you know, too little sure. because now it's like, okay, well, you've learned nothing. You, you haven't progressed or, you know, evolved at all. But if you do too much, now it's like, okay, well, NFL, now we can tell that you're just pandering to get more fans. And do you really even care about the LGBTQ plus community at all? Sure. Which we've seen before, like with, with um, how they're doing for Black Lives Matter after the fact, after the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, like, oh, yeah, you know, black people, blah, 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 we support this. And it's like, where, where you been for what, though? Like two years? Like, come on, bro. So we kind of we saw what they were doing with that. And right. that wasn't genuine at all. So that's why they have to find the happy medium because uh, I think we have mentioned this before, Derek, um, when we were talking about this, that um, uh, the NFL has like their man of the year award, right? Like for every, yes. every year. Right. Um, so you would think that, okay, it's going to be assumed Carl Nassim man of the year done, whatever. But, you know, if they kind of do that, just, you know, automatically, no matter what, it could be seen as just pandering if other stuff happens throughout the year to where sure. it's like someone else may actually deserve a little bit more depending on what might have happened in terms of their community service, social justice, things of that nature too. So that's what I'm saying. It seems so straightforward that, hey, make him man of the year, do all this you know, social media stuff, have him on TV all the time, say we, we back him, match his donation, all that kind of stuff. You know, good to go. Now, if I love, if I love the NFL, we're super progressive. We're ahead of the NBA now. But that could easily, easily go left in terms of getting out of hand if you know it, it's, it's not you know taken care of in terms of how they do it and how they go about it. And as of right now, the NFL has shown that they're not too well in terms of judging this type of stuff. Yeah, so that's why I'm saying it's important for them to, you know, see, like, yes, this is a great opportunity to kind of get to a place that you haven't been to before, kind of show that you're open to being there. But you also have to handle it carefully because, you know, it can look a type of way if you kind of just go, you know, a thousand percent that direction. Or if you, you know, just leave it as it is. I'm like, yeah, if he came out, cool. Let's play, let's play the games and not worry about that anymore. Because at that point it's like, okay, now you're not even helping, helping the cause when you could have had a great chance opportunity to help it out as well. So I think, you know, it's up to NFL to kind of see how they're going to do it, but just based on past experience though, they haven't been too successful. So that's why I'm interested to see how they they handle different things when they pop up. Um, Another scenario I could see pop up is, what if during the game we start getting an incident to where there's a lot of homophobic slurs being thrown at, mm-hmm. at Carl Nassib? Sure. How do they handle the punishment in terms of doling that out? You know, is it going to be where they're heavy handed yeah. to where now it's kind of lean that way because he came out now it's more heavy handed, but stuff like that's been said before, you know, as a black player, you can be like, well, they call me all types of stuff. I'm that's what I was about playing, to say. Didn't they not do that though? Didn't a couple of years back, a few years back, did they not say that they were going to start, because I re- mm-hmm. I can sp- specifically recall some flags being thrown because certain players. A matter of fact, I think Richard Sherman caught a flag. Yeah, uh, because he he I supposedly used the N word on the field against another player, um, and so they were supposed to. So to me, I feel like if they were serious about that and actually throwing the flag for those things on the field, uh, and I'll be honest with you, since I can't recall a lot of moments where that happens, except for that one instance with um, uh, with Sherman. I want to be optimistic and say the reason why we don't recall very many instances is because maybe it it's it, it worked and they're saying and they're saying hey we need to keep that to a minimum. Well, and let, let me let me cut you off. That's it, my it, hope. It, it did not it did not work. They gave up because okay. black the black athletes were like we use this all the time in a, in a, in a, in a, in a different context than what you were okay. trying to flag for, and so they okay. eventually had to scuttle it. Or I'm hopeful is that that's not if you call someone a homophobic slur, you're calling right. someone a homophobic slur, which even before should be sure. I don't know I don't and I I, I there's no way well, for me I, to know I just how, think how, that's how, what they should how, do. how widely they've been using it now yeah. against each other when they when they're assuming everyone is 
uh, heterosexual. Sure. So yeah. there's, I don't know what the baseline is on that, but it, they should already not be using right. that on the field just because it, it's a very different between, you know, using right. the N word between black men. Uh, even even if it is slightly derogatory, it's a little more lovingly derogatory than it sure, is with yeah, what yeah. we're dealing with right now, which pretty much in all instances, if you're using that word, you're using it yeah. disrespectfully. Um, but I and, feel and, like that and, could be a, a template to work off of, though, is this is what we were going to do. Maybe it didn't work out in this particular situation because the majority of the league is black. And that's something that is just sort of unfortunately accepted amongst each other. Um, maybe that might be still a template to use in regards to this it's kind of like because you ain't gonna say the same thing about you know calling somebody you know a derogatory term for for a gay person you're not gonna be able to throw that around like you know what i'm saying like ain't it ain't a bunch of black players going around calling each other that so i mean i mean there probably might be but, but th that that could be an instance yeah. where they could say okay we need to crack down on that like because you know and so maybe that's something that they can do is you know put that out there because, and, and honestly if there if it is a situation where a lot of the black athletes have been using that recklessly then they mm -hmm. need to be called upon out on it Agreed. anyway and so yeah. we, they need to they need to clean that up to begin with so i mean and it might, that might it might, it yeah. might that might be what we find out that they've been and then Trickles using, down. Yeah, they've been using this word derogatorily to each other a lot, right. and they shouldn't be, and right. they had to clean that up. So that might be something we learned because of this. Um, to Daniel's point real quick, I do think that the NFL generally has a sincerity problem. Like, they mm -hmm. don't attack these things from a sincere uh sincere aspect, mm -hmm. and that bleeds through with their response, and then we figure out, okay, you're kind of milking this. Kind of like and, and sometimes it takes a long time because they kind of find that out with breast cancer awareness. They don't honestly really care about cancer. It doesn't really feel really like not. they just like yeah. care about people wearing pink and looking cool and 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 mm -hmm. and getting the brownie points from uh, from looking like they're a league that wants to tackle cancer instead of actually tackling cancer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so uh, I. I don't know how I don't necessarily know how we'll be able. I mean, I guess we'll be able to. I don't know if they will actually if they do get heavy handed with it. I don't know if there will be a, too much of a penalty of that. And that might be to their benefit in terms of right. wanting to do things because they're like, well, even if we do this heavy handedly, we're not really going to get called out in a broader sense. Um, and, you know, it's a different time period. So maybe that's not true anymore, too. I don't know. I guess Look, it's, it's there's a lot of variables that are different from when they used to be able to do some of these pandering type things that they got away with. And now. So we'll, I'm, we'll, I'm we'll all see. for the pandering that results in them, char them hitting somebody with a five thousand dollar fine when they use the term on the field and donating it to the Trevor Project. How about that? I, I'm all for that kind of pandering because yeah. bottom line is, 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 you know, the NFL, unfortunately, is in a situation that they put themselves in where they like you said, it's a sincerity problem. No matter what they do, no matter what the heart is behind it or lack thereof, they always look insincere in everything that they do when it comes to these issues. So, you know, it's like I, part of me feels like, you know what? get the get, donate that money and that was kind <laughs> you know of that was kind of my ultimate point is maybe just because in my opinion it's like the nfl is in a kind of damned if they do damned if they don't situation mm -hmm. that they put themselves in so i don't yep. feel sorry for them at no. the same time it's like you know just go all out because if you go all out hopefully at least that's helping somebody somewhere right well i was gonna say <laughs> it may be a slippery slope though in terms of them trying to police it um just it's going to be a clash of the current with the old school, of course, because the way like players, coaches talk to each other on the day to day and practice in the game is 
crazy. Like if you heard this up the chains, like it's outlandish out your name, all that kind right. of stuff too. So it could get to the point to where, you know, if someone who is maybe uh, say homosexual is offended by what they're saying, it may not be exactly a slur, but maybe it's kind of in reference to you being feminine, you know, in terms of how you're yeah. acting, they think it's towards them. Which in itself is whack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it, unfortunately it's the normal, you know, this right. lexicon verbiage for, yeah. for that environment then there could be the backlash from the players or the coaches saying like, okay, now you're pleasing everything we're saying, you know, if they're trying to be inclusive, now you're kind of giving them special treatment. So at that point, you know, it could be a lot of back and forth with that. It could be other people in the league, either, you know, African-American people, white players, Hispanic or whatever that say, okay, well, if you're going to protect them on that, then protect me on these words here. So okay. then it's like, where does it stop? You know? <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. They have to be, very cautious and kind of delicate in terms of how they handle this, but they're not really good at that. So I think they're going to, like you said, do like a heavy handed, don't say this. And then they'll get, okay, well, what about these words? What about that? And it'll probably end up like it did for, you know, trying to police players in the N word where it kind of just falls apart. Cause they're like, okay, well we tried and everybody's upset and people yeah. are yelling at me. So now I'm not going to do anything, which is kind of what they did before. So they don't really handle, you know, that type of conflict too well. That's why I can see that kind of maybe going off the rails pretty quickly in terms of some players feeling some type of way, um, you know, that, that they might perceive that it's special treatment or what they're saying is not meant to be offensive. It's just kind of normal talk or whatever, even though, you know, as people, you should grow and change how you talk over time. Not everybody I think is, is ready for that transition. So I could see some pushback with that initially. Now with the NFL, maybe keep their feet, keep, um, you know, 10 toes down and stand strong in it. Mm. Not so sure. I know if they get any bit, bit of pushback, they might just want to try to, push it on the rug and kind of keep keep it moving so that's something to be aware of in terms of if they do try that aspect of policing what's said on the field it could get get kind of hairy when it when it pops up and it may not be around for a long time yeah i mean at the bottom line is this is a very bible belt sport like yeah. they and the fan their constituency we, we know who the nfl feels their constituency is and we know how they right. feel about protecting that constituency we saw it with the black lives matter type stuff yep. and with colin kaepernick um so when the bible belt gets to thumping what are they going to do what is going to be their reaction who will they kind of bend towards yeah. um because we know that the uh, although the united states of america has changed in some in some places in some regards and, and has softened it, it the bible belt is still very similar to where it's always been on some of these issues. And so um, it's going to be interesting. The NFL finds themselves at the, again, at the center of a, a nexus point of where history is going. And it's going to be interesting to see where they come out on that side. And so I think this is a perfect time to transition into uh, the reason that I wanted to talk about the Laurel Hubbard situation. That is the, is the Olympic weightlifter who New Zealand has, who qualified the New Zealand weightlifter who qualified to be in the Olympics, who is the first trans uh, trans woman to participate in the Olympics or to qualify for the Olympics and the uh, Lasia Clarendon situation with the WNBA, um, who is also a trans athlete who is, who is non-binary and identifies as him, they, she, um, I think past is predictive in how these situations are going to be handled. Um, and so we can take some lessons from how the WNBA handled their situation uh, with Lasia and how the current situation is being handled with Laurel Hubbard. Um, and those are ongoing issues. Um, and so that's wh where we kind of mix this all into a bowl and, and kind of chop it up. First off, what did you take from the Lasia Clarendon uh, piece? Because, I'll just start it off. What I took was the WNBA, though, is at a great point now and is definitely by far the most progressive league 
in in the United States of America, it actually wasn't always that way. So it was interesting to see how they were at the forefront of kind of pushing the league towards where it is now. And can we see that play out in the NBA? Because I don't think the NBA is nearly where it needs to be. The NFL, I don't think the NFL is where it needs to be. The MLB, I don't think the MLB is where it needs to be. Because we can see a time where the WNBA, as progressive and full of progressive women that it is, wasn't where it needed to be. And now it is where it's at. Um, is that something that can be repeated in other sports? Or are we talking about something that is unique to the WNBA? I suspect a little bit of both, but what, what, what do you guys think? And what did you take away from that piece and how, how it relates to where we are now? Um, I think for me that this is actually just a very unique situation just to the WNBA. And I guess to a lot of, I guess, women's sports in general, just because the, the, the thought or the stereotype is that most people who play, you know, professional basketball or whatever are already part of the LGBT community in, in terms of that nature. So it's not too big of a change, I guess, for most people's perception to say, okay, well now, you know, uh, this player that we thought was, you know, just strictly just a, a female player actually identifies as trans or non-binary. That's not too big of a thing to wrap their heads around just because I think they kind of assume that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of women that are um, in the league themselves may be, may be lesbian or bi or, or things of that nature as well. So I think with that, that's why it's, it's so different just because this public perception is where it makes it easier to accept and kind of more of like, okay, well, this is something that is, you know, newer in terms of, of what's going on in terms of people being able to identify it and, 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 and give them the full recognition that it deserves. But I don't think it's too big of a change as you would see in a different sport um, when it's like maybe a, a, a male, male dominated sport, um, like, you know, in the NBA or in the NFL, where that might be seen as something that, that is different. Um, the reason why I say that is because we still haven't seen the, the actual situation to where maybe say like a former male basketball player now is trans and wants to try to get into the WNBA, how that would be handled. And that's kind of akin to the next thing we're about to talk about. Um, I think that it's a little bit harder for people to grasp than for this one. Um, so, you know, I, I was still, I think it's, it's good to see that, you know, people are finally being able to live their truth. That was the first thing I got from hearing the story. Um, but in terms of could this happen other places and, you know, could they kind of use it as a model? I think it's gonna be very difficult just to have that level amount of inclusion right off the bat. Uh, just because of the environment that the WBA has built themselves and also from public perception, the way that's been set up, that that's been that that quasi universe that they currently live in is more accepting of certain things than I think the other one, which is more like traditional values for a lot of these other sports have been for so long. Even the NBA is still in the traditional value, I think, for a lot of stuff, too. And what, what's interesting is that the WNBA itself was somewhat in that it, as much as you say how how easy it is of a transition. And, and, and that's true. Um, nothing you said there was false. It's crazy that it was like, what, um, eight years ago that uh, Brittany Griner wasn't comfortable coming being openly gay like. People assumed she was gay, as you say, but she wasn't openly gay. That's, that's in the piece. It's like uh, uh, Lasia Clarendon was one of the first people who was openly themselves uh, in the WNBA, even as a gay person. And then over time, her identity, she, as she's grown and trying to figure out where, she, uh, where they are at, uh, they, they've identified as non-binary and as, and as trans as well. And, and then, you know, became a forerunner for that respect. Um, just for people who have not read the piece, just to give a little more backstory and a little more do justice to what's going on uh, with Lasia Clarendon. She's a, they are a prominent member of the, um, the 
WNBA Players Association. I think they're the vice president. Um, and over time, um, the, you know, they were drafted the, a, a prominent pick. They were number nine overall in the draft. Um, and they were one of the a, a big piece of, of their team uh, for a long time. I believe the, the New York Liberty is where they came to uh, kind of prominence as a player. No, it's more, it's been, they've been kind of all over the place here. Uh, the fever, the dream, the sun, the Liberty. Um, but they, they weren't happy with the direction necessarily that uh, they were going in terms of supporting the LGBTQ community. And so uh, when they were with the fever, uh, they talked to uh, one of their, their teammates who was the president of the of that association. And they, they, you know, they had a difficult conversation like, well, you need to get involved. And so they became the vice president. And now you've seen, they've been at the forefront of some of these initiatives um, that are going down in the WNBA in terms of supporting the LGBTQ community and in terms of supporting even the, they were heavily involved in, in the Atlanta dream when they were trying to uh, oust uh, our friend, Senator Karen, <laughs> I use the word friend sarcastically there. And so they've been at the forefront of a lot of these issues um, in terms of making the WNBA a lot more progressive. And so that's uh, even, and even still, and so the piece kind of implies that and their latest stop in the New York Liberty, when they came out as trans, that that affected their time there and that their time was cut short. Um, and then eventually got picked up by the Minnesota Lynx. So we're seeing that even in a progressive league like the WNBA, changing things can cause things in even liberal New York uh, to change situations. And so that's why I think this is an interesting story to wrap around it, wrap our heads around as well as just, you know, giving props to Leisha Claridon because they deserve props. Um, so, you know, Terrell, where do you come out in terms of what you got from the piece and where do you think, how do you think this is prescriptive to where our national sports leagues are going? Yeah, you know, you made a couple, you know, the, the main point I keep sticking with is the fact that, like we talked about WNBA being the most progressive um, uh, professional sports league, um, and yet it's still, <laughs> you know, yet, you know, their status, uh, you know, still affecting them um, in that situation, because it's like, like you said, I mean, we're talking about like, location and we just talked about this with Carl Nassif like you know where I talked about what did I say like there's certain places where you would think um oh you know we 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 we're a little more accepting here and things of that nature but like you said it affected uh them in in New York of all places um you know I look at it and I think for me it's kind of sad in a way because we need the biggest issue. One of the biggest issues we have in this country when it comes to these issues is ignorance, um, not knowing, not understanding, um, not listening. And so, you know, when I, I was just reading over the piece and just kind of looking into it, because I, I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't know a ton about her, her, her story. Um, or excuse me, their story. Um, uh, well, because you made that mistake, let me just bumping because it's not actually it's actually not a mistake because they are non-binary they do identify as he him she okay. her they them so you can truly use any pronoun depending on the situation that you kind of want it's more to keeping to what they're going through that day is kind of changes the spectrum of how they're feeling but obviously sure. they're not here right now mm -hmm. uh so any pronoun you typically use in this particular situation would be correct um yeah. uh I, I i personally am trying to stick today that's why i kind of corrected myself earlier but it's right. not necessarily inappropriate in this particular circumstance because they do identify as all all three um with all three pronouns that you can use them all and uh, so just yeah. wanted to i just think a big part of it for me is that even the <laughs> leagues that we think 
are so far forward, you know, have, you know, just so ahead on what we think are ahead on these issues um, aren't always as far ahead as we think they are. <laughs> um, and so I think that's the aspect of it that I got out of the piece more than anything. Um, and, and it, it's made me kind of, you know, pay more attention and, and re- I, I, I have a niece that's about to be 16 years old in a few months and she's a very good basketball player. And my brother has talked to her about, you know, whether it's, you know, Hey, you, you're going to have teammates, especially as you get toward college and later in your high school years, you're going to have teammates that are going to identify differently. And he he's, he's explained these things or he's tried to coming from a, the same standpoint of me, of, of somebody that's learning. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, it's, it's eye opening because, but in a good way for me, because I feel like it makes me want to understand more and read more and, you know, even interact more um, with people that are in the know and, and that have those relationships and, and, and have, have gone through um, uh, whether it's hardships or, you know, good times, whatever it might be. Um, so that's really, you know, when I, when I'm reading it and like I said, I'm still processing a lot of it. It is really just, again, I, I keep going back to the term eye opening because like I said, it, it's, it's, I've learned a lot just from, you know, reading. It's funny because I've, I've I, you know, you read one article or story and then you move on to another one because you're trying to put, you know, piece things together. So um, it's, of anything it's just been a learning experience for me because like I said I felt like the WNBA going back 20 some odd years has always felt to me like they've been just so far ahead on these issues and to know that there are still some steps they need to take is is mind-blowing yeah and so that kind of brings us to the I think the Laurel Hubbard of it all which is where we you know, we're trying to be an inclusive society. And right now, one of the biggest sticking points for people right now is what do we do with trans, trans athletes, specifically trans athletes that are transitioning from uh, being male, excuse me, being a, a man at birth to their identity of, of being of being a woman. Um, and so Laurel Hubbard is now coming going to come into the forefront of that especially being that weightlifting is such a, a sport thought of to be fueled by you know testosterone and and big and, and all that kind of stuff um and so i think a lot of people's first reaction when hearing that story is well why that's an unfair advantage why should they compete there's even people within her sport that feel like well this is an unfair advantage being uh, born born male that i that why should they be able to compete just you know it might be a little hard but what was your honest you know first reaction when you when you saw that is are you among the people who are like well what are we doing here or did you see it different um mine was um you know as we take these steps to be progressive we have to i think be cautious of not to trample over other other groups of people who themselves also still need protection and also um further assistance as well which in this case is going to be the the um the women in terms of women in society. Um, so I, 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 I can understand what their concerns are just because like they're saying, you know, ideally in, in a perfect world, you know, we're all the exact same, no matter what. So we can do all, all the same things, but it's been understood that in terms of physical 
ability and such that there there is a, a distinct difference when it comes to someone at the professional level when um, they assume that oh they've been born as a man versus when they're born as a woman so in that sense I can see why there's some concern because it's not like we're okay well they were born as a man then transitioned immediately when they were still a child mm. and now they're a woman so in terms of you know whatever goes into it if they went the route of hormone therapy or whatever might go into right. it where it would change their progression from sure. a young age adolescence into being an adult mm-hmm. um you know at for, for this in this situation they actually were a full-grown adult before they made their transition 35 years old mm-hmm. so you would think that okay well they probably have accumulated the type of you know strength or whatever that will come with being a full-grown adult from sure. being you know originally a man before so in that sense, uh, I know that we want to have just full inclusion right off the bat, but we also, I think, have to now bring a little bit more of nuance into it, some more critical thinking as well, because we still want it to be an even playing field in terms of this, because that was the main reason why we had the split up between, you know, um, men and women's sports is because right. you want to have that even playing field, ideally the same type of equipment and stuff. But when in terms of competing, we have those those certain bars to set that are a little bit different based on, you know, for men and women. So I think in this sense, because a lot of times, you know, they're kind of just we're kind of just pushing through and say, OK, well, you know, just let them compete. It, I think it does do a disservice to the women that are, are in that sport, mm-hmm. um, particularly in terms of it's kind of just, you know, right off the bat, you know, just 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 let it be uh, to myself. Uh, I always have the thought that, you know, even if, if they are transitioning, then why not still have them still compete in the same sense, you know, where they're at before, because sure. they still can probably compete per, quite well. And then if later on they wanted to make a petition just to change all the way and to, to no, no longer compete with men anymore, then then that could be an, uh, an avenue. Um, going back to the lower level, cause I know it's really a bigger because it's the Olympics, but really it's more about, you know, elementary school, middle school and high school, because those right. are like your formative years to where sports are important in terms of your identity. Maybe you might look into maybe just having them all compete together in terms of boys and girls just mm-hmm. compete all the time. So in that sense, there's no boys or girls division. There's just one division and you kind of rank them with that. Um, so there's a lot of things that go into it. I don't think it's as straightforward as some people were trying to make it seem to say, oh, OK, well, you, you have to, you know, support what they're doing. So right. that they can compete where they want, because there are also other people affected by it. And we're not saying, you know, affected people by the, the boys or the men, but also the women and the girls are affected by this as well. And you have to have their opinions taken into it, I think. And also have their voices heard because in, in, in the past and in history, there's usually other voices that are least heard or that are drowned out. So I kind of get the sense that we might be doing that again mm-hmm. with good intentions. But again, sometimes bad stuff happens with good intentions. So we might need to have a little bit more more thought and nuance in terms of, in terms of how to handle this. Yeah, for me, excluding the Brett Favre's of the world, because his idiot ass decided to make a comment on this, which is the same nonsense you usually get. Um, that just shows the fact that we tend to go to the wrong sources for for comment on stuff like this. Yeah, I, a, a, a couple of things that stood out to me was um, and, and it stood out to me because, again, I was back in this position where I felt like I needed to get more info. But where it, the 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 statement was made that she had met all criteria um, to, to compete 
in the Olympics, uh, in the women's division. Um, so I, uh, you know, I think I overanalyzed because I started thinking about that. Okay. What does that cr criteria include? The other thing was, okay, there's weight classes typically when you're lifting weights, um, or when you're doing Olympic weightlifting, there's typically weight classes. What are, what are other women in that weight class? Um, you know, when I look at numbers and, and records and things like that. So I started thinking about it from that standpoint. Um, you know, because, that's the part that to me, I wanted to, and, and maybe this is a flaw on my part, but I wanted to look at it from a statistical standpoint and from a fairness standpoint. If you're meeting all the criteria, whatever that includes, is there hormone therapy involved? And if that is somehow putting certain levels, because I know there was an issue with a particular, um, I think it was a runner several mm -hmm. years back um, that was not transgender she just you know apparently i i it was i and i wish i could remember but she i just was, didn't she was have born intersex so she, she yeah from, from from birth uh, right so it was it wasn't a matter of choice or anything so i mean mm -hmm. i look at situations like that and are we talking similar criteria to to meet in, in that same regard and if they're looking at that are we talking chemically it it was such a broad subject to get into that it was really difficult for me to get enough information but when i look at it from a standpoint of whatever the criteria the olympics has if they say you've met that criteria if you're in a weight class where you're not leaps and bounds above everyone else in that weight class and in that you know whatever that sport is that you're competing in where if I'm looking at you and I'm like, okay, this is obviously unfair. I, you, I hate to say it, but you almost have to take it at, you know, face value for what the numbers look like in that situation. And I hate to relegate it to numbers, but I think for me, I feel like, and, and, and I almost wish I was more of a, of a fan of, of weightlifting in the Olympics because I could probably speak a little bit more, with a little bit more nuance on it. But I feel like if you're looking at those numbers, then somebody at some point is going to have to show me personally um, for me to, to really come down on one side or the other, show me where it's leaps and bounds above what everyone else in that particular weight class and that particular sport is doing. Because then I've got questions. It's sad and it's unfortunate, but then I've got questions because then I'm saying, okay, then are we talking about something that's not fair? Are we talking about a situation where somebody is, um, identifying as a woman and is transgender, but maybe, you know, and that's why it's like, it's difficult for me to sit here and say, this is where I fall on this situation, because I have to understand what met all the criteria to, to, to participate in the Olympics as a female. I have to understand what, what that's about. And it's tough because it's so complicated to look up that stuff and, and get an answer. But, you know, from my standpoint, I have to put it on the numbers. If, if there's a bunch of other women that, that uh, are going to be competing and they all and everything looks relatively even, it's just coming down to who lifts the most weight. Because, I mean, let's be realistic. Pound for pound, women are actually technically stronger than men. But you still come into a situation where you've got these weight classes and all this stuff like that. And so th it, this is so tough because you know, you, you, you juggle not wanting to come off as offensive and, and an idiot when it comes to this stuff, at least as far as I'm concerned, but I've got to say it's, it's, if it, if it looks fair on paper, then who am I to say, you know, she shouldn't be competing. Um, you know, I can't, I can't say that I can do that. And did you want to go first? Yeah. I was going to add a little bit to it. Hey, no, go ahead, man. 
Um, so maybe the bigger issue, though, is just the way things have been like for say for the Olympus, for example, the way it's been set up because it's been that way for forever that we have just a men and a women's mm-hmm. instead of being like it's based on your gender instead of being based on kind of your performance. Sure. So what if they had like a certain cutoff to be like, all right, you're in this quote unquote group or league because you perform this well in terms of lifting and you're in the secondary league because you couldn't meet that mark, mm-hmm. but you still hit this group right here. So if they did that based on maybe historically what maybe men average versus what women average, mm-hmm. and if someone yeah. beat that, then it's like, all right, well, I would like to be in that A group or something, then that could be a, maybe a way to look about it. Because at that point, it's not really about, you know, what gender you were born with or whatever. It's more about, you know, what your performance is. And if it's like we said to where just, you know, on average men are just, you know, faster, stronger or whatever, sure. then you would think that majority of people in that group would be, you know, all men. And then the lower one would be women. And then, like I said, you get an option of if they want to go up or down, if they can hit that top mark or something. But that might be more something that we looked at maybe probably like way in the future or something. But that might yeah. be the bigger issue is that we're trying to fit, fit it into like this, you know, this square peg but in this it's, round hole. It's a, very, how it's, set should, up. it's a very binary way in which we view all these things. Yeah. And, and gender is not binary. It's, it's, so just, it's, it's a yeah. spectrum. And so we have to change. I, that's a that's a good point. We have to change the way we think about these issues. Sure. But where I don't want to get to, and I, I don't think this is being PC, I, I so often these conversations eventually boil down to people wanting to tell women that they're not women, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that uh, yeah. because it's it's inappropriate. But we do have to think about the fact that the, our current structure and apparatus isn't set up to handle the problem that we have at hand, which is what Daniel's been speaking to. And, and there's a good faith argument there. I've seen a good faith argument there from a lot of women. Uh, and for me personally, I prefer for these conversations to happen between women, between trans mm-hmm. women and, and people who were born women at, at birth. I, I don't know that there's too much that men need to provide to this conversation yeah. other than stepping aside and letting people talk this out and put and have a real discussion, hopefully, that is filled with understanding and and nuance because there is nuance on the subject there's quite a, a few of, subjects that we shouldn't be really involved in but unfortunately we interject ourselves into and so i mean and that's 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 the reason we're talking about it is because unfortunately we do interject ourselves into these conversations so i think it's a i think it's appropriate that we talk about how we maybe shouldn't be <laughs> interjecting ourselves into some of these subjects uh but my main thing about this is that so often people want to hide behind the idea that um you know, they want to hide behind the idea that this there's a competitive disadvantage as a way to promote bigotry. I'm not that's not to say that there is no competitive advantage. I think there's still a lot of science and things that we need to know, as you guys have, have actually spoken to, um, that before we can have the concrete opinions that a lot of people want to have on these subjects. And we need to see where that takes us. Um, because to my knowledge, and I and I will admit I'm not completely informed on this, but it doesn't seem like Laurel Hart, uh, Hubbard is just destroying the competition. So my thing is, if if they talk about the, the main argument that I see is like, well, they're going to beat someone who is more deserving that should have been there. And so my question is, do, are you then going to reevaluate that opinion if they don't win? Because that means that they are imminently beatable. You're just not you yourself just aren't good enough to beat them. Um, and so that has to be taken into account as, as well. And I think Terrell spoke to that. It's like, are they this overwhelming juggernaut? And even that is a flawed criteria because even among men, Will Chamberlain for his time was genetically superior to any man who could play basketball besides Will Chamberlain. He was still beatable, but in terms of playing basketball on the elite level, no one could do the things that Will Chamberlain could do. And that's an anomaly within men. 
against other men. And so it's not yeah. it's not it's a very it's a very tenuous ground to build an argument upon when you're just talking about competitive advantages and disadvantages when you want to tell someone that they aren't who they are. Um, and so I, you got to be very careful when you do that. And I, and I think you guys have kind of hit that mark in my estimation um, fairly well. Now, again, always open to criticism. So if someone else is listening and yeah. they hear and they say, hey, please do yeah. y'all didn't talk about this, right? What I'm going to say is, Hey, come on and uh-huh. uh, come on. And I, uh, and, and we'll, we'll discuss this again. Cause I always want to have the best, most accurate conversation we can have on this. But in, from my standpoint, I think, I think people, make this out to be a little more of a problem than it is from the standpoint of, Hey, this is going to root this. Sometimes people feel like this is going to ruin the the whole of athletics and whatnot. I just think there's a lot of tough, hard conversations we have to have that can be inclusive and can hear both sides and make people feel included and heard, which mostly need to come between women uh, in this respect, honestly. Um, and some of the solutions might just be, we look at this, from a more gender neutral perspective, like Daniel was speaking of and and start going that way, which in society, we kind of need to start doing anyway. Uh, If anything, we need to be happy if they allow us to be in the room just to, (laughs) (laughs) just to, you know what I'm saying? Because, uh, you know what I mean? You made a good point was like somebody coming in and talking to us because, you know, I feel like sometimes it's beneficial to just be in the room and understand and hear at those conversations, even when you're not involved in them. Um, Because I feel like I would benefit from that quite a bit. And so, and so this was just a preliminary conversation on this. I think we'll probably touch on the subject again. Hopefully, maybe we'll have someone else on who can who can speak a little better to it as well in the future. I kind of want to do that as well. Uh, but before we get going here, Terrell, would you say it's time or, or not? It time? is. Okay. My watch so, is invisible, right. but it is time. No, it's <laughs> the invisible watch is time. Yeah, the invisible watch on the oh. podcast that nobody will actually see, but here. Indeed, indeed. So uh, today. Let's just get down to the nitty gritty. Ted Cruz and does said something again that's crazy, and so we're gonna have to <laughs> retire this man. We're yes. having a we're having a going away party for Ted. The Cruz. Is this your King Hall of Fame? Yeah, boy, first inductee. Yeah. the Ted. first inductee to the end. This is this your King Hall of Fame? And so you know, Daniel, how do you feel about our our, our first inductee into the Is this your King Hall of Fame? Off of pure foolishness. Uh, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> this man basically said that. Critical race theory, the mere concept of critical race theory is just as uh, racist as the Klan. So that's what he said. That's what got him finally. That's what pushed him finally all over the edge. All three K's. He said it was just as bad as all three K's, not two, not the KK. No, the KKK. You know, I, I feel a bit just, torn, no. you know, because Ted Cruz has been talking out the side of his mouth since since forever. So I, I don't feel like he should really win anything. But he's so outlandish, though, that he should be somewhere. And I guess him being retired is a good thing. But also, is, like I say, it's, it's hard because he's, he's kind of winning something pseudo. And yeah. now he's going to be considered a, a legend in terms of his, his uh, I'll just say, his fuckery. But, <laughs> yes. <laughs> a legend in the fuckery game. In the fuckery. But, yes. hey, you know, I, I guess it, I say it's well-deserved and also not deserved at the same time. So yes. it's, it's Ted Cruz. You know, that's a microcosm of Ted Cruz is, as, a, as a person yeah. is that, you know, he does amazingly – audacious terrible things so yes. yeah you have to you can't help but watch the train wreck that is ted cruz so well deserved ted you know hopefully we never talked about you ever again <laughs> indeed yes and um that's kind of why i invented this because i was like we yeah. can't we can't just keep doing it like, yeah no I'm, I'm with you um I'm, I'm i'm with daniel here um it, it's gotten to the point <clears throat> where he's just so obvious a choice so often um it, it, it's it, the the prolific fuckery if you will 
um, is such that literally we can find a reason to feature him in Is This Your King every single episode that we do. Every single episode. We could probably throw out two episodes a week, maybe three, and still, on a completely different reason, we could find him in the Is This Your King circle. So, yeah, he is, has been prolific. He has been consistent. Um, and um, consistent. He, it, only makes, it only makes sense for him to be inducted uh, the, the inarguable inaugural um, nominee slash uh, inductee uh, into the Is This Your King Hall of Fame. So uh, Yes, gone and hopefully forgotten. Ted Cruz, thank you. Um, so that's going to do it for this week's episode of Speaking for Sport. I am, of course, your most venerated and excellent host, your wise leader podcaster, D.R. Lewis. Hi, right, baby. Oh, it's getting it's still I still it's getting better over time. You, you're still improving. You're still improving. Daniel, say goodbye to the people for me. So long, people. All right. Uh, we do have a <laughs> thrilling <laughs> we do have a thrilling episode of uh, Midweek Take where we break down uh the sitcom moms. We did the dads the last time we were lit. with you, and so now it's sitcom mom on Wednesday. I believe an episode of Trey Blanco's podcast and grill is coming. Of course, Aces for Hell will hopefully start being on time, which is supposed to be Fridays, but it's never on Fridays because I'm kind of <laughs> bad at my job. But whatever, we'll see. Hopefully we'll start being on his time. Over the next few weeks, the the topics for speaking for sport go in this order. We are hoping next week to talk about the uh, coaching controversy that is opening around the tra- Portland Trailblazers and their fans. Then we'll talk about the eyes of Texas because they are upon you. That's not a good thing. And then we'll finally talk about part two of Kwame Brown. We might throw some midweek take episodes in there in the meantime with those as well. Uh, but those are our topics for the next three weeks. If yeah, you want to sit in stone, huh? Trying to, but every time I do, hey, we man. fail. So we'll see. We'll see. That's a bold move there, Cotton. A, bo- a bold move. Terrell Huff, uh, t- hit him with all the stuff that you c- needed to plug and then hit him with the outro hey, baby <laughs> uh we gonna do it again um hey man uh 10 to 12 sundays ticket 760 blue collar sports dads hit us up on the uh iheart radio app as well and you can listen to the episodes anytime you choose uh at terrell huff uh on twitter and the instagram uh and uh i don't like facebook but i put stuff from instagram to um facebook so my mom can see it um and uh that's pretty much all i got uh look for your boy on the on the national airwaves because and i'm talking about tv because you know i'll be doing commercials and shit um and that's about all i got about that yes, again i tell you to hit them with the outro baby okay well i'm ready for the outro but i was trying to give all my all my you know credentials <laughs> my and whatnot it, so that oh, were, you, said, were you not done i thought you were done that's why i said it again oh no i'm done so oh, okay. uh with that being said you know what time it is speaking for sport because somebody has to <laughs>